2020, episode 326. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In, in an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom, and you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me for another look at the 2020 election and what is going on in the world today. We are about 37 days away from the election now, so uh, it's getting tight. And one more thing was thrown into the mix this week as well. Last week, obviously, with the uh, death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and stuff, and uh, all weekend last weekend, that was the big talk. Well, she was, uh, they had the, the ceremonies for her over the weekend as well, and on a Friday, Donald Trump decided that he was going to go ahead and nominate somebody, and he nominated a woman named Amy Coney Barrett, and that was the speculation on who they were going to, going to go with. Uh, Donald Trump did make it known last week that it would be a woman for sure, and then there was a few different candidates that were uh, thrown out there, and Amy Coney Barrett was definitely uh, the top choice, I guess, for for the Republicans and those that have influence with the Trump administration. So that's who we end up going along with. And they've been attacking her big time ever since this nomination. And also ever since uh, her name was kind of thrown out there, they've been attacking her. She's a woman who is a Catholic. So they've been attacking her on her, uh, on her Christian or Catholic faith, faith. And they've been attacking her even to the point of attacking her on her family which I think is like the lowest blow you can possibly do. You shouldn't really attack somebody on their faith in the first place. Um, obviously, if you are somebody who is not uh, of like a super strong Christian faith or something like that, it might be important not to, uh, I mean, you might think to yourself, oh yeah, these these crazy Christians or something like that. But um, if somebody's like a, as long as they're not going to bring it into their public life and make public decisions based upon that, and I think that that should be fine, especially, I mean, we're not living in some sort of um, religious religious country or something like that. We have a separation of church and state, so obviously uh, she shouldn't be taking those things into account. She should be looking at things from, in my opinion, from a um, originalist perspective, the original intent of any legislation that was written, as well as originalist intent 
uh, on the Constitution and how it was written. That's how a lot of conservative justices do look at the Constitution. But then on the left, you know, they seem to be a little bit more activist as well. So if you have somebody who's a little bit more of a liberal judge, then they're going to be more activist in their views and trying to push in a specific agenda, it seems like that to me. But looking at Amy Coney Barrett over the weekend, just kind of seeing where she stands and stuff, um, she seems like she is an originalist. She does believe in the original intent of legislation and the way that it was written uh, with the intent that they that the legislators had that is how she wants it interpreted, not in some sort of modern form, because words change, meanings of words change, and things like that over time. And it's very easy to change the meaning of a word over time if you have a specific agenda. Like, for example, liberal used to be somebody who is a, today would be classified as a libertarian. Classical liberal is what they call it nowadays. But the liberal party, like the liberals and the Democrats have kind of stolen that term over time. And But if you go over to Europe and over into England, if you call yourself a liberal, that still means that you're, a cla- in American terms, a classical liberal, which is something that leans sort of libertarian. So you can change the meaning of words over time, and obviously they do. So they want to get back, an originalist wants to get back to the original intent of what it was, when it was written, at the time that it was written, how they wanted it to be. Uh, how they would have interpreted it back then. So that's a good way to look at it. That's, I mean, if you write any type of law and a hundred years later someone's interpreting, they should think about how it was written at the time. That seems like what she's doing. That seems like her idea uh, of how she's going to be looking at her seat on the Supreme Court if she even gets in there. So uh, to me, that's good. I mean, I, if if you're going to have somebody who is in power, especially as much power as the Supreme Court has, I I would presume that you would want to have somebody who's going to um, put some limits on government, you know, because there are structural limits on, on the federal government. There are, gov- there are limits that the founders intended to have on the federal government. The founders thought of it as 13 separate colonies. They thought of it as 13 separate states, and each of those states was solely independent. And then those states, in order to form a more perfect union, they got together and said, hey, listen, let's go ahead and give up some of our rights, which would be interstate commerce and the ability to wage war, things like that. Let's give up a few of those rights in order to, uh, you know, make it so we can protect ourselves. And they, but those founders they really wanted to keep each individual state separate there was some that kind of went for a more uh sent like a, a little bit more power in the central government but the people that were looking for less power at the central government ended up winning the day and there were limits placed on the federal government because of that now obviously the government that we have today is because of the constitution and the lack of clarity on a lot of issues For example, the Interstate Commerce Clause has been taken to the point where they could even dictate what you have to grow on your, like what kind of crops you have to grow on your land because that can disrupt interstate commerce in some way. So, but as that, not the intent that the founders had. So if somebody looks at it from the original intent, that's a good thing. That's what Amy Coney Barrett does. 
They even attacked her on, they're even attacking her on her personal life with her kids. She has two children who were adopted from Haiti. One of them I was reading was like, you know, three years old, but still wearing baby clothes because she was so, or 18 months old, sorry, still wearing newborn clothes because she was so malnourished when she came over to the United States and was adopted by the Barrett family. And to me, when I look at that, like that shows a lot of sympathy, compassion, empathy, um, taking two kids from Haiti, which is a, you know, a place where it's the, I mean, it's the poorest country in the entire world almost. And she's going to take two kids from there and raise them as her own with her other five kids. Saw the picture. I mean, it looks like a beautiful family, the whole nine yards. And then they're attacking her on that saying that, um, she's racist. She's imperialist because she's in, she's taken on two Afri- or two not African American because obviously they're Haitian American, but taken on two children, two black kids, and they're saying that she's an imperialist, that she's racist because of that. And she says I don't see race, and they're calling her racist a racist because she doesn't see race, and I don't care if they're black. It doesn't matter to me. And then they're saying, oh well, you know that's racist, and it's like. You shouldn't be attacking somebody on their personal family in the first place. Yet that's that's the that's the level that not only Democrats do it, Republicans do it as well. That's the level that politicians go down to. That's what it is. They sink down to a level where they're going to attack someone's personal family in order to stay in power or to make their point or to keep their power. And that's a problem with politics. So anyway, but this is what the liberal, like the more liberal folks are pretty particularly scared of. And it's the fact that, okay, so on the Second Amendment, I think she's good there. She's someone that's going to protect the Second Amendment. She even went as far as having an opinion on the court that she's on the Seventh District Court or something like that, that she's a member of the, she... There was a case that came before, and there was a person that was convicted of a felony with mail fraud. And that person was trying to get their gun, gun rights back. And six of the just or six of the six of the judges on that court ruled against him getting his gun rights back. And she was the sole dissent saying that the founders did not think of the rights to have the the right to bear arms they did they did not think of the second amendment as a secondary right they thought of it as a primary right the right to bear arms so if you receive any of your rights back you should receive all of your rights rights back and one of them is the right to bear arms to me that is a stellar position to have on the second amendment obviously she said that the government can keep can keep guns away from violent people or people who are somebody who um, might cause violence, like they're they do have the ability to do that. But in the situation of something that's nonviolent, you should not be able to take away their rights in that situation. And the Second Amendment is not a secondary right, is what she said. I thought that was great. Another one um, that they that the liberals are very worried about is. Roe versus Wade, they say that having somebody that is against abortion in the Supreme Court, if something comes up and they're going to be uh, having some sort of fight over Roe v. Wade, that she would be willing to overturn it. 
I've heard it said that it would be very hard to overturn Roe v. Wade in the first place because you would have to have something come up through other courts. You'd have to have some, something come up through the through the courts and precedents already been set in the whole nine yard. Now, a lot of libertarians are flip flop on the issue of Roe versus Wade of whether it should be or whether abortion should be legal or not. Um, I think Roe v. Wade was specifically saying that states cannot ban abortions is what it was. And states cannot limit the abortions or the woman's right to choose. And I think that's the way that it was written. It wasn't saying that it made abortion legal across the United States. It said that states cannot limit um, limit that. I think that's the way that Roe v. Wade was written. That's the way I've always understood it anyway from the arguments that I hear. Now, if you did overturn Roe v. Wade, each state would still have the opportunity to make its own decisions on whether they're going to ban or legalize or have some sort of gray area in the middle on the abortion issue. I don't think that there'll be that many states that would go out there and outright ban it because a lot of states would have a very hard time getting it through their legislature and into their, into, you know, into law. Maybe Alabama, Mississippi, and so forth. But, you know, if you go to the Northeast, if you go out the West, anywhere else, you're going to have a pretty easy time now. What they say is, oh, well, the person that's in Alabama who is under a situation where it's illegal is going to have a hard time going and having an abortion because they're going to travel. It's going to duly affect the or it's going to affect the poor in a different way than it will affect people that have the money to do it. So anyway, I, I don't really want to talk too much about my stance on abortion per se, but um, she is definitely uh, Amy. Amy Barrett is definitely against abortion, um, but I don't know that they'd be able to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, so she also says about Citizens United that it was a good and that it's okay that, um, businesses are treated as individuals and that they can go ahead and invest, um, into or spend money on elections as well. Um, a lot of people in, on the liberal side of that hate the fact that there's Citizens United and that the, the, the court ruled on that. Um, and it is an issue of free speech though. I mean, the libertarians take that stance as well, that people that, you know, people can gather together. You can have 50 people get together, put their money together and do whatever they want to with their money. Even if it's a thousand people or a hundred thousand people, they do it with, I mean, they do it with AARP. They do it with NAACP. They do it with the, uh, American civil liberties union. You do it with labor unions. You do it with all kinds of stuff. Why not allow people to form some sort of organization that can do that as well? It's a matter of free speech. So she rules correctly on that from a libertarian's perspective as well. And then I heard that she is, I don't know where I heard it. I think I heard it on TV or something. They were just saying that um, she's against women's rights or something like that. And it's got to be what they were talking about is is um, the abortion issue because people that are for abortion really do believe that that is a woman's rights issue. Um, but they would said abortion, they said a few other things, and then they said, and she's against women's rights as well. That's going to make women have less rights. And I was thinking to myself, this is a female. I don't think she wants to have people have less rights. But anyway, not to defend her completely, um, I just think that if somebody's going to take an originalist perspective on the Constitution, I think that that, that is the... That is the least they should be doing because they should not be trying to legislate from the bench. They should be interpreting the Constitution, seeing if a law is in line with the Constitution, if it's, and then if it's not, it should be struck down. If it is, then it should be fine. 
And that's all there is really on that, you know? I mean, but that's going to be the fight for the next uh, 37 days on October 12th. They will be start. They do have this hearing set in the Senate to go ahead and grill this lady. It'll probably last about a week to two weeks, and then they'll do a confirmation. Most likely she will get confirmed unless they can get, or the Democrats can get, I think it's like, one or two more Republicans to flip, then they will not be able to confirm her because they have to get 51 votes. And if it's a 50-50 split, then the vice president will go ahead and do that. So um, the other big thing that's going on right now is in Pennsylvania, there is a huge thing going on right now with voter suppression or voter fraud or voter this or voter that right with the mail-in ballots i guess then a couple days ago they found some ballots that were just thrown away that were military people's ballots and those ballots were voting for donald trump and then that led to a big old fight and controversy over what's going on uh, in pennsylvania with mail-in ballots there's also a ruling that came down that said that the ballots do not have to come in by November 3rd, but they can come in after November 3rd up to, you know, I think it's six days after the election. So you're not going to know for sure who won Pennsylvania by then. And Pennsylvania is a must win state for Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So that's the big controversy that's going on right now. And the Republicans are fighting that in Pennsylvania. But there's also this idea that there's these ballot boxes that people can put their ballots into as well. So, I mean, what I was thinking about on this issue is that we're going to be, people are losing faith in democracy in America. And that's something that, as I was growing up as a kid, I was pretty confident in the elections. I was confident in the results of elections. Now, 2000, year 2000, George Bush versus, um, Al Gore, George Bush versus Al Gore. That was the one that was contested in the Supreme Court about 17, 18 days after the election. Go ahead and went ahead and ruled and said that George Bush did win. I think this is going to be a contested election as well. Um, Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden not to, uh, not to declare that, or, or she said that he should not. Um, Secede the election, I think is the term that she used. I can't, I, no, that's not the term that she used. But she said that he should never give in, right? That it should just keep on, he, sh- he should never cede the election to Donald Trump is the word that she used, actually. I'm try- I was trying to figure out the exact phraseology that she used. So she, he should not cede the election to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, when asked, said, well, you know, if it's fair or whatever, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. So he's not saying he will... He will uh, see the election to Joe Biden right off the bat. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of worried about it in some ways. I know a lot of libertarians are like, "Yeah, this is great. Let's just see the true colors of what's going on with the two party system and whatever." But you don't want a situation in America where people lose faith in the country in general because, uh, and a lot of people have anyway. But it's like. There's a lot of people who have built their entire lives upon what we have now, upon the freedoms that we have now, the lack of freedoms that we have now, 
Um, the 401ks, the RAs, financially they've done that. Business-wise they've done that. If people lose faith in democracy and there's something that happened where a dictator took over or people threw out the Constitution or whatever, like that leaves the entire system up in arms. And that would leave a lot of people in such in dire straits. It would leave to mass chaos, starvation on the streets, the whole nine yards. You do not want something like that to happen in America. You do not want Donald Trump never to secede the election and to go in there and say, you know what, the military is for me and everyone fight for me and all that. We have some sort of civil war going on in America. You don't want that. On the on the flip side, you don't want Joe Biden to lose the election and then all of the Antifa people, all these people are rioting on the streets, smashing windows, destroying buildings, the whole nine yards. You don't want something like that to happen, guys. And that is the biggest fear that I have. So um, I don't know that that will happen. I think there'll be a peaceful transfer, but it's very worrisome. And I hope to God that we end up in a situation where things are uh, work out fine. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up today early. I appreciate you joining me. Go ahead and f- go, go ahead and check it out on IamTheEmpire.com. You can follow me there or on Facebook and on Twitter. And five-star ratings are always helpful on the Apple Podcast app. And then I appreciate you joining me. Come on back on Thursday, though, so you can have clear vision for 2020.